Hello and welcome to back to another episode of Turnover the Tape, episode 55. My name is Keegan, one of your co-hosts, and as always, I'm joined by my other co by the other co-host of this podcast, Matt. Matt, how are you this Wednesday evening? Yeah, not too bad. Not injured. Not injured. That's very much unlike our midfield, our um, defense at the moment. It's very much, very much a walking wounded back there. Um, so yeah, this is Turnover the Tape, a Gold Coast Suns podcast. Um, off the top, as always, I do remind you: uh, like the uh, like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast, rate the podcast, all that good stuff. Um, so before we get into a the win that we did have on the weekend um, against Adelaide. I would like to um, put up and just sort of throw it out there, just sort of interest. This is a way to sort of get interaction, Matt. We're going to get uh, get interaction from people. Is I was just wondering if content, yeah, content. Uh, if anyone out there has um, has indulged in a um, Gold Coast Suns auction um, auction kit or auction Guernsey. So there's a couple of pe- couple of people that we're friends with have very much indulged, uh, myself included. I picked up a nice quality Jai Farrar outfit. I think we had a mate pick up the dreaded Lockie Weller outfit from the that he popped his popped his <laughs> knee in, and then we had another mate that picked up. Um, who did he pick up? James was it James Sitsitas or whatever? Yes, yeah. yeah. He picked that one up. My I think it was my brother. He picked that one up. So. Let me know out there if you have any good, it doesn't have to be the ones that you auctioned off. Maybe you have some good Suns paraphernalia or Suns memorabilia out there. Um, doesn't have to be anything you've bought, maybe something you've put together or maybe something you've got off your own bat. Let us know. I thought that's something something a bit fun. And we're going to have a bit of a chat about it next week and we can talk about our treasured Suns possessions. I don't have <laughs> that many at the moment. But <laughs> this Jai Farrar will be one, it will be the start of the collection. Um, so anyway. Let's get into the series, but let's sort of start talking about the Crows game. Um, Matt, what was your opinion of the Crows game in general? Uh, it was a funny one. I always felt like we were the better side, but we were very slow in asserting that dominance across the course of the match. Every time the TV would pop up, so I went to the game, every time the big screen would pop up and show the stats, it would show, you know, if you just looked at the disposal count, it would say, oh, all of the Adelaide Crows players are getting tons of possession. And you'd sort of sit and think about what was actually happening. And it was just the Adelaide Crows game style. It's just high handball just yep. between each other and then kick it long and maybe Tex gets it or not. Yep. So I feel like the thing that worries me about that is I don't think we beat the Crows in a few years' time as they start to evolve. I have this horrible feeling that our midfield wasn't actually that good in, in the contest, but our defence kind of broke even and our attack, well, was out of control for a change. Like our, yeah. our attack was on point. So I, I don't know. It left me feeling funny. I think the scoreline flatters us as well. Oh, a lot. I think the 43-point win is not an accurate reflection of that game. I think there are reasons why we the Crows probably got very close to us, um, injuries notwithstanding. We'll probably talk about those yeah. in a bit. But the one thing you did mention was the high possession game that the Crows played. I think if you would have match, if I was to match up, so Rory Laird had 42 touches, for instance. I think he had something like 30 handballs or something like that and 12 kicks or something, something ridiculous like that. If I match up his game of 42 touches versus Rao's game of 19 touches, I would actually think Rao had a better game than, yeah. than Laird. I think that the overpossessing 
portion of their their play. Probably they so they sometimes seem to give one handball too many, and then mm. just sort of invited the pressure. And yeah, while our midfield wasn't great, um, I think Miller had an only an okay game. I think Anderson, while he did have twenty eight touches. And he had 816 metres gain. I don't think he had a great game either. I think he he got the ball and bombed it long a lot. Um, but I think that they almost... And they and there were a few goals that they conceded that were utter, like, mind explosions on their part that we sort yeah. of picked up. So there's a couple that come to mind. Um, I think... Joel at the back, start of the second Cole, quarter, for yeah, instance. Chol, um Holman was another one. I think he picked up a pretty mm. easy one as well. So I think the Crows beat themselves more than we beat them, if that makes sense. That's not to say we've got to be there and got to do well enough at the end of the day to get the result. But I don't think it was I don't think it was a performance on the level of the past cup, the past wins we've had against like Fremantle and Hawthorne and Sydney. I think those wins were more impressive than this game against Adelaide. Yeah, we were just punishing their mistakes at turnover every yeah. single time, just putting it through the sticks and just sort of uh, harp on on that Rory Laird, Matt Rowell comment. I know we don't want to be a stats podcast, but yeah. there was only a 15-metre gain difference between the two of them. One had 42 touches, one had 19. So that sort of harkens to your point. Yeah. And Matt Rowell was getting in there, getting his hands dirty, getting plenty of free kicks as well. But yeah, uh, definitely being very impactful per possession by yeah. comparison. So 11 tackles, 11 tackles for the game as well. He, um, he might feature a bit later in my, uh, in my votes, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, so the, probably the big thing out of the game, other than the four points was the, um, well, there was two things, but the first one's probably let's start with the sort of negative and ramp up to a positive was the injuries that we definitely mm. saw. We, um, so power was the big one. Um, what do you say? Like, oh, I saw that on TV. So I was watching on TV at home and, like, they showed him lying on the ground. They showed his ankle going at right angles. And then at that point, they cut that They cut that vision and then didn't show it again on TV. Yeah. Did you know at the ground if he was injured straight away? Uh, so this is how it sort of played out. So where the injury was, we're, we're in the second tier but where he did the injury was basically in a direct line of sight from where we were. So it was yeah. close enough that we could see what was going on. But naturally, as you're watching the game, you're just following the ball and the ball was heading back towards the Crows end. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is looking kind of grim. And then Kane, who's been on the podcast before next to me, just started just yelling and pointing. And I'm like, what, what are you going on about? He's like, oh, <laughs> pointing. And I'm looking down at. I'm at, sure he at sounded Will exactly Powell. like that as well. It was, <laughs> and he was pointing down at Will Powell, and and there he is with a with one one foot pointing up, one foot pointing down. Yeah. And you know, there's there's no cutting away from from no. real life. He was just he was just there in agony for yeah. for minutes, and it felt like an eternity. You know, the trainers were there waiting for the game to stop, and it, it took quite a while for it to. Yeah, I think to stop because they had a set shot. Up I think the Walker other end. Walker was having a set shot at goal yeah. when he was taking, uh, and yeah, they let him have it, and then, um, then they stopped the game. Or well, I don't even think they stopped the game there. They might have let it play for another couple of seconds, but yeah, that was a bit that was a bit weird. They didn't stop the game there straight away. But what do you think? Other than sort of the obviously out for the rest of the year, I don't think there's any there was any doubt about that. Um, what do you think the, that effect has on the team of Will Powell going out? It certainly thins our defensive stocks, um, obviously, with Lockie going out. They they tend to be, 
the te- they have been our sort of rock solid entities in the back line yeah. over the last, well, especially this season. Um, I know Will sort of started to float a bit more onto the wing, but I mean, he's moving the ball out of defense and his intercepts have been sort of the hallmark of his play. And the fact that he seems to be a fairly savvy player on his feet more often than not. I know he probably wasn't having as good a season as he was last year, but I mean, that's, that's quibbling over small details to be fair. Yeah. Um, it, it certainly makes it makes for a harder team selection. Yeah, agreed. I think that um I think look, I think with the players we have at the moment, the back six of Ballard, Collins, Thompson, if he's fit, uh, Markov, Lemons, and Butterick is probably solid enough. But one more injury, and assume that's that's assuming Butterick gets up this week, but one more injury to those, and then we really are in trouble because then the next cab off the ranks, Rory Atkins, who in his defense had a good game on the weekend against GWS in the twos. He had 36 touches playing out of the back line playing. And I reckon off the back of that Weller injury, probably playing that Weller role or training in that Weller role so that we do have a bit of depth in that position. So it'd be interesting to see. I would be very interested to see if he gets a game this week. I wouldn't be surprised, especially in Adelaide, a place that he's probably played a fair bit at Adelaide Oval, playing a role that requires he's he's not as quick as Weller, um, but he's probably as good a kick. So I would not be surprised if we see Atkins come in this week. Whether I agree with that or not is is neither here nor there. Um, but I think that's someone I think he might he might come in this week, especially if Butterick doesn't get up. Yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, so that was so that was Powell injury. Uh, Matt, did you have anything else to say on that before we moved on to the other couple of injuries we had? Uh, hopefully he's or he's like in good spirits. Yeah, that, like that would just be absolutely crushing. I know, like I was very off life when I yeah. when I did my foot, and I didn't do it anywhere near <laughs> as good as he did. So yeah. yeah, hopefully he's doing well. Yeah, so fingers crossed. For Powell. I've seen a few Instagram photos. He seems to be in good spirits, which is good. Um, the second injury came out of the game, which the Jeffries injury which was a lot more innocuous that didn't mm. really. And that I think his injury came very late on. I think it was the Casbolt goal that was set up by Rankin. I think that's when he did it. He took that mark in the middle and got tangled up with an Adelaide player and came off second best. And he has done a knee injury, not an ACL, nothing that serious, but it puts him out for the rest of the year. Um, look, I think that he's been a good. He's had a good season. He's had a nice, a nice run of like five or six games. But he 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 doesn't leave as whole a big of a hole. I don't think. I think we can replace him easier than we could replace Power. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, we've still got Roses in the wings. Yeah, and you got Burgess kicking bag after bag in the VFL. Yeah, who may have a sniff. Yeah, and I think Josh Corbett's also close to coming to, yeah. to fitness as well. Yeah, so I think I think you hit on a good point. As Jeffrey seems to be playing that third tall role, that um, because he's over, he's like 192, 193. So mm. he's playing that third tall role, which is um in the forward line, and he was doing a doing a decent job. He he hasn't had a game as good as the one he had against um the Bulldogs since the Bulldogs, but um, but yeah, he's playing that third tall role. Well, I think that you'll see the likes of um. I would like to see Burgess get a run to reward for him because I think he's kicking bags in the VFL. I think he's leading, he's leading or equal leading the goal kicking in the VFL. So he's having an absolutely cracking year. I'd like to see him get another, at least one more chance. I think that as well, 
I think it works because Chole plays more like a like he doesn't play too much like a leading forward anyway. I think he yeah. plays enough like a small that you can probably get away with Burgess and Casbolt being sort of your leading forwards. And Chole can do that as well. But then Chole, once the ball hits the deck, Chole can also also um, affect the game there. Um, what did you think about um, oh the last injury? Sorry, um, the Butterick one. We sort of already touched on a little bit. Sore hamstring is a test this week. So we're talking on Wednesday. So Thursday um, is the main session for these blokes, and this is when he will get tested out and see if he gets he gets up or not. Um, yeah, hopefully he gets up because I think he's having a really good year since he's come back um, back into the team, and um, and I think he we we sorely need him in defence. Yep, agreed. Yeah. Um, so let's head on to the sort of more positive out of the game, I thought anyway, was the um, was the goal kicking, the nice spread of goal kicking we had. We had four players kick three goals each. So we had Caswell kick three, Chol kick three, Rankin kick three, and Ainsworth kick three. Do you Did you imagine when King went down at the start of the year, the forward line working this well? Uh, oh, no, absolutely not. Because our game style didn't hint at it working very well. And, I mean, to some extent, we still play... With that game style, it's that bombing forward. The difference as the year has progressed is we are far quicker at doing it. Like, yeah. there's really no thought. It's just throw it on the boot, get it forward. Maybe we catch them out of defense. And because we, on off, uh, on average, seem to be winning um, the clearances more often than not in, in these games, especially over the last three or four weeks, we have enough opportunity for that to pay off. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I feel like the level of intelligence going forward when we're not just bombing it forward is actually a lot better. And I think that really coincides with Isaac Rankin's development as a player over yeah. the last six or seven weeks. He just, everything he touched turns to gold. He seems to be in the right places. He gave two fairly unselfish handballs away for goals um, late in the game. I think he gave one to Flanders and one to... Um, yeah. Levi Casbolt from memory. Just the the Ford connection and, and the understanding between these players is is substantially better. I'm really surprised at just how quickly we've had a cognitive leap and now suddenly we're connecting properly. Yeah, that's that's what I've been surprised. Like the like Jew, Jew and the sort of the coaching stuff, especially the Ford coaches, done a really good job of pivoting the game plan very late on in the preseason. Um and Casbolt, the Casbolt acquisition looks like an absolute masterstroke now of um and Chole as well. I think both are doing an exceptional job of being of being key forwards that look aren't the most high profile or the best key forwards, not by a long way. But what they do do is they bring the effort, they bring the competitiveness. And then that that has sort of been a bit of a catalyst for um and let's and let's sort of move on to the next sort of topic is and why probably Ben Ainsworth probably having his best game, best sort of games of his career, sort of six seasons in now, he's sort of, he's a pick four, so he's a quite highly talented player. Um, but three goals and 20 touches is a really good game by anyone's measure, um, anyone in the league. So I think that having that consistency of player there to rebound off and compete with has been good at bringing those small forwards like Ben Ainsworth more into the games. I also think that like our game style is developed to work harder at locking it 
inside 50 as well. Yep. And so I don't think it's a surprise that someone like Nick Holman managed to bob up and kick two goals because yeah. he's always laying heaps of pressure uh, when the ball's coming in, when the ball's heading out. He's just making it as hard as possible. And we're getting those stoppages, you know, on the boundary line at the 50 and getting that extra bite at the cherry. And the longer the ball stays there, we have these crafty small forwards that can that are strong and can get their hand on the pill and find their way to goal. Ben Ainsworth being, you know, the pick of the bunch this time around. Yeah. Um, what have you thought of Ben Ainsworth's game? I think we've talked about it a little bit this year, but what did you think overall of his um of his game against Adelaide? And maybe I mean, maybe even maybe even overall for the season, what do you think of him? I mean, he was excellent in the game against the Crows. I think, I mean, my biggest gripe with Ben Ainsworth sort of coming into the season wasn't his effort levels. It was really just a bit of composure under pressure, really. Yeah. He, he would find a way to miss goals that he really should be kicking. He'd, he'd always have five shots on goal, but he'd only kick the one for the day, and several of them were gettable. Whereas yeah. you know, a little bit of confidence, he's fine, He's putting it through the sticks. He's really starting to uh, assert himself up forward. Um, it, this is yeah, He just needs a bit of confidence and, and to really feel like he belongs at this level. And I think we're starting to see that comfort and that, um, that belonging. Yeah, I think that, um, yeah, it's, he's our, I think he's our third best goal kicker this year as well. I think he's... He's really contributing more of the goals. And I think our my always knock on him, especially previous years, was his goal kicking was always a bit haphazard and he'd, he'd miss some easy shots. But this year, he looks really settled and he always looks like he's going to kick a goal. He looks always confident. And that probably that probably feeds into your thinking of him thinking he belongs. And I think mm. having that sort of having that sort of self-confidence. Um, I think really helps, and he's got a bit of he's got a bit of mongrel about him as well, mm. and he's got a bit of aggro, which is what you need as a small forward as well. But like you see the likes of uh, Rankin and Ainsworth and Holman and Roses when he's fit, that's a really quick forward line that loves to tackle as well. Like like Rankin's developed a love. For I don't think Rankin's ever loved tackling. But he's mm. developed a love for tackling, which has been really good to see and really good um, for our forward line. Yeah, I mean, once you realise that if you get paid a free kick, you know, you've tackled them holding the ball, you still get to kick a goal. Yeah. You don't need to be flashy. You just need the points. Yeah, that's and that's exactly it. Um, was there anything else we wanted to hit on before we hit our three twos and ones, Matt? I'm upset that the Melbourne media, in well, specifically, I'm going to take issue with first crack, have listed the Suns as the form team of the competition. <laughs> they need to pull their heads out of the sand and return to reality. I get that it was a clickbaity statement, but uh, yeah. who or who said it was? It Lee Montagna? Grow yeah, up. <laughs> yeah. So I understand. Like technically, if you look at the stats, we are the form team of the comp. Unfortunately, like. It's great that we're the form team of the comp, but also I don't like that title. <laughs> it weighs it weighs heavy on our head. Like I think for the past six games, we've got five wins and we've got a percentage of 155 or something like that, yeah. which is which as a Sun supporter, very rarely to see that. But heavy heavy wears the crown of of um, <laughs> of like what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, of our achievements, our yeah. achievements, we've, and expect expectation. That's the word. There you go. Yeah, so we're expected now to win these games, and 
doesn't sit right with me at the moment. Look, <laughs> maybe next year when we've got a bit more of a fuller team out there, maybe I'll I'll get it over having a summer of it. Maybe I'll get used to it. But at the moment, the expectation is like the Adelaide game made me really nervous when it probably shouldn't have. When you look at the gate, like look at the players and look at how each team's gone over the year, but the expectation and just the waiting for the crown to get knocked off by anyone um, is the thing that sort of gets you in the end. I do have a couple of very quick things to point yes. out. Yes, yeah, um, go ahead. You bought the Jai Farrar, um, Guernsey, so I figured that yes. he should get a moment of love because I thought he had the best individual effort on the day where the ball was heading forward. Um, it was it was in open space. There were two Crows players. One was Tex Walker, who was going to put the body block on, and I don't know who the other Crows player was. Yeah. Farrar managed to dodge the body block get in, managed to accost the other Adelaide Crows player and earned a stoppage in a two-and-one. Yeah. That was just huge for us, that particular yeah. one, because if they'd got the ball and won it, they were unopposed. They were just strolling into goal. Yeah. And so I thought that was, yeah, one of the best, like, one percenters. He wanted, he, he got a stoppage from a two-on-one when he yeah. really had no right to. Yeah. Uh, and I think just to highlight the fact that I hate when people say we're the form team of the comp, Literally from that stoppage, that's when the ball went forward and and Collins tried to do that run, oh, run and bounce oh, in front of goal. Running across goal, it. yes. Yeah. And that, that's sort of when the Jimmy Rowe show turned up. Yeah, yeah, yeah God. Oh, dear. Um, yeah, no, for us, for us, basic, I think for us, our most underrated player. Like, I think he, he doesn't get... He doesn't get as much love as he probably deserves. I think as a player that can sort of play tall and small, like he's he's a tall bloke, and probably one of the reasons I bought the shirt as well. You get if I if I ever decide I want to wear it, then I've got a I've got an actual half a chance of fitting into it, as opposed to if I got like a rose shirt or something. <laughs> um, and secondly, I think that he can play tall and small, but he's just so he's so clean below his feet, and he's he's actually quick, like he's yeah. he's quite quick. So, um, yeah. I think Farrar, Farrar definitely deserves a bit of a shout-out. I remember the exact, I exact, remember the exact contest you mentioning as well, and I think he did a really good job there. And I think he's done a really good job to establish himself in the defence. He got drafted the, to the club as a forward and to sort of reinvent himself as a defender to, to keep on the list. I think he's done a really good job of that. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan. Oh, good. All right, let's, do you want to kick on to our votes? I've, um, so three twos and ones for this week. Uh, do you have do you have yours in your head, Matt? Do you know who you're going and where you're going? I think I'll make it. I think you'll make it. Perfect. Uh, I'll I'll kick us off this week. I'll um I'm gonna give my three to uh, I'm gonna give my three to Rankin. Um, I think that after a really slow start to other than the first round, obviously where he was probably best on ground. Um, he sort of had a really slow sort of period from about round two. Like he was injured. And he sort of missed a few weeks and he came back and he was sort of a bit healed there. And he got copped a, a fair amount of criticism, which I don't know if it was a hundred percent fair, but he did cop he did cop some criticism. But I think that um I think his impact since and sort of I think it's almost since the Sydney game, I think is when it sort of started to turn from a bit. I think since that point, I think that he's just he's gone to another level. His way he how he brings other players in, how he He's so creative with his handballs and kicks. He doesn't he doesn't have to get the ball 25 times to have an impact. He can he can get the ball 12 to 15 times. And with the how good his disposal is and how good his creative eye is, 
he will make a massive impact. And I think three goals, two, probably even undersell. He could have had a bag of five quite easily. And he probably could have even had a bag of even more because he gave off two. Mm. So he could have had, if he was super selfish and he was accurate, he could have had seven. But that that's that's probably being a bit uh, Christmas Christmas land. But um, <laughs> I still think that uh, I still think that he had a really big impact on the game, bringing others in, um, and I think that's why he gets my three. Um, I feel like we're going to have fairly similar players, but maybe just with slightly different orders. Uh, my three is going to go to, to Ben Ainsworth, yeah. basically for the same reasons that you've you've listed. <laughs> He's had a similar sort of rise. He maybe wasn't as maligned as Isaac Rankin or had such an abrupt turn face that uh, Isaac Rankin did, but um, he, he was excellent for us uh, on Sunday. And Isaac Rankin and Ben Ainsworth's stats basically line up pretty eerily similar, you know, three goals, two between them. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, Rankin's going to get my two. Yeah. Um, they basically had the same number of score involvements. That they, they they lit up that forward line, both of them. I, I think Benny was just slightly the pick of the two, but, I mean, it's splitting hairs for mine. I think quickly, very quickly, our small forwards are sort of are becoming some of our best players for sure, but also I think... As a collective, I think they're starting to sort of move up the leagues, the league as far as a the best small forwards in the, as a group, as a collective. I think they're starting to sort of move up in a position because I can't think of too many, maybe outside of Fremantle, have a very good group of small forwards. Mm. I can't think of too many other teams that have the depth in small forwards that we have. Um, when you look at Roses and Holman and Rankin and Ainsworth, and if you even look at Flanders, who kicked two goals on the weekend as well, um, and we haven't even mentioned him. There's and you got Holland's coming in as well. There's a there's a there's a real there feels like there's a real depth there that we probably haven't had in some time. And with the way we play with pressure and forward pressure, I think that I think that's that's um, that's a really good thing to have and a really good weapon to have um, in our arsenal. Would you say that the way Isaac Rankin's playing now is he exceeding expectations now? Like where was his level? Is he above where we thought he'd be? I think he's as like as a finished product. I think he's playing at the level where it, where he is. He should be as like a third or fourth year player. He's probably playing above the level, and probably why he's attracting so much attention. Like I think if if he was playing this game four years from now as a as a mature twenty seven year old or twenty six year old or whatever, I'd say that's a great game. But yeah. I think this sort of game coming from a twenty two year old, even as as um as talented as Rankin is, um, I think is still a is a really good effort. Fair enough. Rankin um, gets my two. Yeah, and Ainsworth gets my throw, uh, gets my two. I've moved it seems like we swapped them. Um I think Ainsworth, the one thing I've forgot to mention about Ainsworth as well is he's actually a really like he's got actually quite a good jump on him, and he he sort of can he's a good mark as well. He he takes mm. some very good sort of um, he competes well in the air. Um, I think the last the last Casbolt goal, the one where Rankin sort of kicks it off the ground himself and gives the look-away handball to Casbolt <laughs> in the goal square, I think that goal only happens because Ainsworth gets up in the air and competes competes in the air quite well and stops yep. the Adelaide player taking the mark. He gets on the ground, gets the handball to Rankin or in front, at least in front of Rankin, and he can do the rest. I think that um, I think that Ainsworth's competitiveness in the air is something that gets overlooked at times, but that's sort of another thing that he's got in his arsenal. I don't think he's ever going to be, when we draft him, he probably, probably, probably 
think thought he might play, he might become a midfielder. I don't think he's ever going to be a midfielder that's going to have those 30 touches and kick a couple of goals. I don't think that's ever going to be his game. But I think as a high half forward that can impact, get 15 to 20 touches and impact the contest, kick a couple of goals and lay some hard tackles, I think that's his goal. And I think that's a very important part of this team. Yeah, agreed completely. Um, my one vote, as you go a few different ways, so I might give a few honourable mentions before I get to the one vote. I think Anderson still with 28 touches, even though I said that he probably didn't have a, an amazing game. I still think he was very good, especially in the last quarter where, um, where Adelaide were definitely pushing for the win, especially with all those injuries and we looked a bit tight. I think Anderson got a, very, a few very good clearances just to sort of take the sting out of Adelaide. I think that he did a really good job there. Uh, Miller's 24 touches, probably below par, but still, I don't know, 24 touches, five tackles, uh, 15 kicks. I think still think that's a pretty good game, regardless. Even if it is Tuke Mill, we said his standards really high. Swally keeps having a really good year. Um, like, I don't know why we played him in defence at the start of the year. I don't know what the, team, what the coaches were thinking, but... I think that he had a really good game. Uh, anyone else? Uh, Wits was I, dominant. Yeah, I thought Wits. Yeah, Wits dominated probably without having like an amazing impact, but he definitely dominated. I think up until he got injured, Butterick was having a really good game. Um, and then you've got Shoal kicking three and Caswell kicking three. Um, but I think I'm going to give my um, my one vote to Rao. I think we've already talked about him, but I think that as a Nineteen, like a nineteen possession game. He's probably never going to be thirty plus possession getter with the way he plays. But he, there was there were signs this week that he's sort of developing his game a bit more. He took a couple of intercept marks, which is quite nice. Um, Eleven tackles, though. That's what he's in the team for. Eleven tackles, seven clearances, uh, contested possessions coming out of his nose. Uh, he, he's he's fourth in the league. I think he's fourth in the league for contested disposals. I think Tuke's third in the league for contested disposals. Like. To have those two contested beasts in the midfield and then sort of aided by Anderson who has a bit more sort of outside pace and a bit more creativeness, I think that he does a really good job. I think that Rao sometimes in the rank and mold, his, his level, he gets held to such a high standard that sometimes if he gets only 19 touches, despite how good those 19 touches are, he sort of gets a bit, bit looked over. But I think that Rao definitely was worth the vote. Yep, fair enough. Um, I actually think Noah Anderson's worth my one vote this time around. Yeah. Uh, I, I get that he does bomb it a lot, but he made the most metres of anyone on the ground in this particular game. I can't help but feel like that's a strategy decision that's come between yeah. them and the coaching staff. So I, I sort of don't lay entirely the blame at Noah Anderson for doing something quite like that. And I thought, like you mentioned in the last quarter, he went, full Scott Pendlebury, basically, where he could pick up the ball, pretend to move one way or the other, players would just fall off him when he actually doesn't move anywhere yeah, and proceed to kick it down the line. I, I thought he was actually really, really good and, and stood up when we needed him most towards the end, so he gets my vote. Excellent. Good job. That's good. nice to have a few differentiating opinions there, Matt. Good to see. <laughs> um, so that brings us to the Port Adelaide game this week. Uh, probably one of the biggest games we've had. Probably we should have given a little bit more time to it. Probably one of the biggest games we've had as a club in a long time. If we win this and we go eight and six, I think I think finals needs to be, start to be discussed. 
I think at eight and Hashtag six. Hashtag lids off. Yeah, lids off. At eight and six, I think lids starting to get peeled off slowly. Um, yeah. Before we sort of get into maybe maybe give a quick thoughts on the game, um, what change would you like to see with though? Because we have at least two, maybe three players to come out. So it means we have to have players to put in. Um, who would you like to see come in this week? I mean, if Roy Thompson's fit, he needs to come in and take the place of Caleb Graham. Agreed. Uh, I mean, I don't really want to see Rory Atkins in the side, but I suspect he'll be the one that comes in um, in defence. Uh, I think I think Burgess has earned a call up forward. To be honest, just the yeah. amount of goals he's kicking, he obviously has has his radar right. Even if he only gets half the opportunities, if he puts them all through, he'll have three or four goals as well. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to see him get a go. And if, if Mally Roses is fit, maybe he comes in as well. Is he? How's he tracking? Yeah, he was only ill last week, so he should be, and non-COVID, I'm pretty sure. So he should be fine to go. Um, what did you think of Bose really quickly? We sort of didn't really talk about him. It was his first game back. Do you think he has earned a start in the team, or do you think he goes back to being the medical sub? I mean, it's either him or Atkins, I suppose, in my mind. Yeah. Um, he, he was okay without really standing out. I, I sort of didn't really notice him, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Maybe that's just a, a function of the, the short time he had on the field and, yeah. and limited opportunities. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I could take it or leave it either way. Is there anyone that you would, other than Caleb Graham, who you mentioned, is there anyone that you'd be taking out of the team? I mean, if Burgess comes in, maybe uh, Roses takes Flanders' spot. Um, be rough on Flanders to kick two goals and get dropped. Admittedly, they were two gimmies, right? Like they one were... was just a freebie from Rankin and the other one, he had a Stephen Bradbury opportunity <laughs> where everyone just fell <laughs> over uh, and yeah, suddenly yeah. he kicked the goal. So. No, I, could, I can understand that thinking. I, and, it, and it probably happens. Because we know Ju sort of has his quote-unquote favourites or his team that he wants out there. And I don't think at the time, at this time at least, Flanders is a part of it. But I still think 15 touches, two goals for a small forward is probably still a decent game. But, yeah, I understand what you mean. Rose might be a made-to-earnie spot back. Who knows? But, um, yeah, I can understand. I can see Flanders coming out. I can see Graham coming out. Is there anyone else that I think maybe... Might have to. I don't think there's anyone else off the top of my head that I think is a potential to come to come out um, for anyone else. Um, so maybe before we kick on to the end of the podcast, maybe just a quick word on the game and maybe a tip. Like you said, it's the most important game in quite a while. I don't think we ever really match up well against Port Adelaide. I think we have, you know, we won our first game against them and we've basically been duck eggs since. They played pretty well against Sydney. I actually don't see us winning this. If I'm to tip, I reckon we lose by five goals, funnily enough. But I would love to be wrong. If there was ever a time for us to pull out all the stops and find a way to, to crack the Adelaide code in Adelaide, now's the time. Yeah, agreed. I'm. This is this is a very important game because this puts us right in contention. Of finals. we need to win. To, if we need to play a realistic chance at finals, we need to win two of the next three. We need to win. It, sadly, I actually think we're more likely to beat Collingwood and Richmond at Metricon than we are to beat Port Adelaide in Adelaide. So I'm not going to put every single finals hope I have into this match. But no. boy, wouldn't it be good if we yeah. could just 
get a W. If we here. if we jag it, I think I'm with you. I still think Porter favourites and they're favourites for a reason. I think that they played quite well against Sydney. I think if this game was at Metricon, I'd probably tip the Suns. Um, but I think down there, they've got the likes of Boak coming back. Um, Charlie Dixon's back in the team. Todd Marshall's hitting some good form. Mm, I think they've got, nice. yeah, I think they've got probably too many weapons for us, um, especially because we've lost a couple of players in recent weeks that are probably good for the, good for the structure. Look, I think we're a chance. Like there are ga- there are years I would have we've all gone into this game and we would have given we would have said ten goal loss. So I give us a chance, which is which is which is a good thing, which is a great thing to actually say. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think I agree with you. I think this, I think Port win maybe by four goals. I'll go four goals, uh, four goal into Port. But this whole this whole sort of what people are saying about if the Suns lose this, they're out of finals. I don't think that's the case. If we lose this, we're seven, so we're still got an even ledger. We're not we're not that far behind. It will mean we'll have to pick up another win somewhere we're probably not expected to win. But I don't think a loss here is terminal for our um, for our finals hopes. That being said, I think it's terminal for Port Adelaide, so yes. they will be desperate. Yes, I think if Port lose, I think that's it for them. If we lose, I still think we. We then do need to win against Collingwood and Richmond. I think that if we lose this game, but if we win this game, lid the lid will be peeled off, and I think that we'll be <laughs> up, we'll be up and about. So, yeah, we'll leave this we'll leave this week episode of um, this week's episode of turn on the tape there. Uh, as always, Matt, thank you for joining me. No problem at all, and thank you for listening out there. Um, um, make sure you do like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, share the podcast with other Suns fans if you if you know them, and um, we'll catch you next week.